Take your Bibles this morning and turn to Psalm 119. Psalm 119 as we look at God's Word together. And today we begin a new series. We begin a new focus. Here at Temple we have core values. Things that are at the very root of who we are. It speaks to our identity. It speaks to our life. It speaks to our experience and our practice. And you'll see the core values listed in different places here in the church, as you walk by, you may see a, a framed picture that speaks about our mission and our core value. And really, the last few weeks, as we talked about the church at Antioch, we talked some about the purpose, and, and we talked about the mission, and really, we explained that through the church at Antioch. But as we launch into this series today, we begin to talk about one of those core values that is at, at the heart of who we are. And obviously, as we talk about this core value, it brings us, I think, to a closer relationship with Christ. We begin to see that God has founded us upon his word, upon the confession of his son, the Lord Jesus, and upon his word to us. So I'm going to tell you up front, you may not get this yet, but I'm excited about this. I'm excited about being able to take God's word and look at it and see how it testifies of itself, how it leads us to salvation, how it speaks to us of authority. Today, we're going to talk about that trusting, loving, and cherishing the scripture. We're going to talk some about that in the weeks to come. We're going to also uh, begin to talk about the one lone authority for us. We're going to talk about how we approach this scripture and how we study it. We're going to talk about so much. So I pray that you commit yourself to being here. Now, I know that some of you are going to be also studying it in Sunday school. And your Sunday school teacher is going to do a great job. Especially for those of you at 9 o'clock, I'm going to raise a whole lot of questions that you can ask them in Sunday school, okay? But it's going to be a great time for us to focus ourselves together. And I pray that you're here as we look at Psalm 119, as we consider the testimony of Scripture, and as we recommit ourselves to the authoritative truth for our lives. Psalm 119, beginning in verse 1, it says, Blessed are the undefiled in the way, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with a whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. You have commanded us to keep your precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep your statutes. Then I would not be ashamed when I look into all your commandments. I will praise you with uprightness of heart. When I learn your righteous judgments, I will keep your statutes. Oh, do not forsake me utterly. As we begin to talk about the authoritative truth for our lives, as we talk about the scripture, somehow it felt natural for me to begin with talking about a little TLC. Now, usually when you hear TLC, you're thinking of what? Tender, loving care. Usually when you talk about TLC, you're talking about giving it to your spouse or giving it to your child or giving it to your grandchild. But I thought to myself, as we begin this study, as we think about the authoritative truth, then there needs to be a little TLC that we give to the scripture. And I want to, again, flesh it out for you because it's not quite the TLC that we are thinking about most of the time. It's kind of redefined for us this morning. But I want you to think this morning about trusting it, loving it, and cherishing it. Psalm 119, trusting it, loving it, and cherishing it. Trusting the scripture. 
Now, I know most of you in this place probably say, Dr. Reggie, I don't have any problem trusting the Scripture. And I applaud you for that. One of the things that has drawn me to this family is that we have a theme of gathering around the Word, of coming together to gather around the Word. And I think that is a tremendous testimony for a church, especially a church that is living in the culture we're living in today that we would continue to affirm that the word is the authoritative truth for us. And I believe that most of us in this place would trust it. But I want to say to you, we've got to keep telling people. We've got to keep saying to people, you trust the word. You can trust it. The psalmist in 119, he trusted God's word. I want you to see in those first eight verses, all of the descriptions he he uses in order to speak about God's word. In verse 1, he said that it was the law of the Lord. In verse 2, he says it is his testimonies. Verse 3, his ways. Verse 4, your precepts. In verse 5, your statutes. Verse 6, your commandments. Verse 7, he says your righteous judgments. And in verse 8, again, your statutes. I list all those for you because I want you to see how the psalmist reflects upon God's word. And he uses all these different words to describe his view of God's word and his trust in God's word. Now, later on, if you read through this psalm, you'll see that he'll use words like your word, your truth, your ordinances, your works or wonders. He uses all of these words. He, he, you can tell he's a preacher, right? I mean, come on. Sometimes preachers can just use one word. You don't have to use it over and all these other descriptions. But the psalmist uses all these different descriptions of God's word in order to show different dynamics of God's word. But I think also each one of them echoes the trustworthiness of God's scripture. I mean, if it's the law of the Lord, you can trust it. If it's his commands, you can trust it. If it's his statutes, you can trust it. Now, obviously, in verse 1, he is speaking particularly about the law. There it is, the Torah, the law of God himself, the Torah, speaking specifically of those first five books of the Bible. But you'll notice also that that this trustworthiness and this respect goes throughout the Old and New Testament. You see it in Scripture. Now, the psalmist may be reflecting upon God's law, but you see this is the common testimony of those in Scripture, of those who just simply trust God's Word. Over in, over in the New Testament, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. You remember this verse, many of you do. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Literally, what Paul did there was take one word. He really made up a word, this God-breathed word, the inspiration. You not found it in the New Testament before this. So he takes a word, he coins, he puts God and breathe or or spirit together, and he says, it is God-breathed. All of Scripture, obviously talking about the Old Testament, we know. But even later on, as you see Peter reflecting in 2 Peter 3.16, talking about Paul's epistles, talking about the other Scriptures, 
Peter is already looking at Paul's epistles as authoritative for his life, trustworthy, inspired. Paul will quote the Lord Jesus in 1 Timothy 5, 18. And when he quotes him, he will refer to it again as scripture. So here, all of, all of those who write seem to approach scripture with that attitude of trustworthiness, just as the psalmist does here. The psalmist looks and he declares God's words in in so many different ways, precepts, statutes, truth, because he knew that it was trustworthy. And I want you to notice this. Now, I don't always get into this, but I I was an English major. I don't know much. Now, let me caution you. When I say I'm an English major, I'm a Mississippi English major, okay? (laughs) Makes a difference. But as I'm reading through this, and there are certain things that begin to appeal to my sensitivities, I begin to think about these words that are used again. Notice this, verse 1, law. But it's not simply law. It is law of the Lord, speaking about God being the one who originates this law. Uh, blessed are those who keep his testimonies. That's possessive, right? Come on, some of you educators. Yes, his possessive means these testimonies are his. Verse three, they walk in his ways. Verse four, notice he says, your precepts. Verse five, your statutes. Six, your commandments. In verse seven, He says, your righteous judgments. And then in verse 8, your statutes. Do you notice this? How every word that he uses to refer to God's word at this point or God's law, he traces it back and he makes sure that you know that it has originated with God. It's originated with God. And if it originates with God, it speaks to its trustworthiness. Because we know this, God will never lie. God will never deceive. There is no falsehood in God. If God says something, you can believe it. Would you agree with me? If God says it, you can trust it. You never have to worry about error or, or worry about um, him making mistake. If God said it, you can trust it. There, now, those of us, there will be times in our lives that all of us will let other people down at, at some point. I pray we're people of our word and people who reflect trustworthiness. We're people of the truth. But reality is we let people down. We know that. We've let somebody down at some point in our lives. But God, he does not. And when he speaks, he speaks truthfully. You know that all scripture, again, is given by inspiration of God is God breathed. And if God breathed it, then it is trustworthy. You can trust it. I love, again, uh, to reflect on Dr. Herschel Hobbs, that great statesman of the Southern Baptist, who baptized you, Dr. Neil, right? He did an okay job. <laughs> All right, I said. But Dr. Hobbs was commenting on 2 Timothy 3.16, And he said that you could take that all for all scripture. And he says that you can even break it down in the original language to mean something, every part of it, every 
part of it is God breathed. Every part. It is God breathed. So when we come to scripture, we come to it knowing that it is trustworthy. Now I have people all the time that try to raise different kinds of arguments about, well, you know, is the scripture we have today trustworthy? Uh, can you use the word inerrancy? How about all these kinds of things? Let me say to you, first of all, I know that the scripture was written in different languages. I know that. Unfortunately, I was forced to study most of those languages. Now I'm thankful. But at the moment, I thought it was an unfortunate moment in my life to study the Hebrew and the Greek. And we know also it was written in Aramaic. We know that. We know that, or we believe that when it was written, again, it was God-breathed. For me, every word that was given by God was exactly what he intended it to be. He used the personality of the writers. He used the background of the authors. Oh, may I say this to you? He was in control of the author's lives to get them to that point so that they would write exactly what he wanted them to write in their own personalities with their own background. He did that so that every word that is in those original manuscripts are without error. We know that. Again, how about translations, though, Brother Reggie? I had to study Hebrew, Greek. I had to sit through textual criticism classes. I had to look at, well, this manuscript was meant to say this, and this one was meant to say. May I say this to you? 99% of everything that we ever see, there, there's not even a question in the manuscripts. 99, over 99%. There are no other texts that we have in this world today that even approaches that kind of percentage. Over 99%. And you know what? Of those very small things, most of it, you can tell what happened. The, the guy that was copying, he just heard. You can tell he heard wrong. Some of you ever hear wrong? I hope you don't hear wrong from me and go report wrong things. But every now and then they would hear wrong of that. You can figure it out. You can look at it. You can tell why that copy. Oh, there are thousands of copies which speaks to the integrity and the reliability of Scripture also. Thousands. Can you imagine thousands of manuscripts and 99 point something percent all agreeing? That's, that's pretty fabulous to me. When you put that many people, and again, that you can explain, the, I can tell you today, from my study, from my understanding of Scripture, from God's Spirit, I think, working in me and working in you, you can trust the Bible that you have. You can trust it. You can trust it as God's Word. It's awesome to know the original languages and dig into it. I understand that. But God has given you a Bible that you can read and through the spirit of God in your life and your study and your work, you can understand God's message to you. And again, most of those little differences in the manuscripts, most all of them, it's like an A there or the here. It never affects any kind of doctrine or message of the scripture. You can trust God's word. The psalmist trusted God's word. He looked at it 
in its entirety, he understood that it spoke of the covenant that God had made with Israel, the word. He understood it as the testimony of God. He understood it as the law of the Lord. He understood it as the precepts, the statutes. He understood it as the truth. And we come to God's word, even as we begin this journey together in the next few weeks, we have to come to that point to where we trust it for what it is. God's word to us. We trust it. The psalmist trusted it. So should we. Oh, Dr. Travis. Dr. Travis was the longtime professor at Blue Mountain College. Dr. Travis had just had a stroke before I began my time at Blue Mountain. But I'd heard of the pastors and the preachers that had been trained by him talk about their love for him, talk about how he stood. Just there are so many different things that Dr. Travis was able to impart upon those young preachers that were coming through Blue Mountain. Dr. Ronald Meeks picked up the mantle and he carried it on. And as I sat in those classes, as I studied together, I was reminded of the tradition and the legacy of Dr. Travis and Dr. Meeks, a legacy that we have to continue on. And that was their absolute confidence in the scripture. Absolute confidence. Dr. Travis used to say, it's all God meant to be, no less, no more, but exactly what he meant it to be. And I think about that in my heart every day when I come to it to study it and I come to it to preach it, that when I preach his word, I can trust it, you can trust it, and oh, how it makes a difference, doesn't it? For us as a preacher or teacher, that way I'm not governed by my own agendas. That way I don't impart my own wisdom. All I'm doing to you is taking God's word that you can trust for your lives, and I am declaring it to you so that you can build your life on a foundation of trust and a foundation of truth. Trusting it, I trust it. The psalmist says he trusts it, but the psalmist, as you continue reading, and Psalm 119 is kind of a long chapter, right? You walked in this morning and thought, is Dr. Reggie going to preach all the way through this chapter today? He did not specify verses. We're not reading it all today, but as you continue to look at it in its entirety, I hope that you will in the coming days, by the way, just go read it in its entirety. You also see that this psalmist not only trusted it, but he loved it. He loved it. I want you to see uh, verse 97. Loy, I think this was our uh, memory verse this week. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Verse 97 speaks of love. Look in verse 113. It says, I hate the double-minded, but I love your law. Verse 163, I hate and abhor lying, but I love your law. My soul keeps your testimonies, and I love them exceedingly. Verse 167. There is the love that this psalmist had for the Scripture. 
God's word. Notice again, time and time, I love the law. Now, I I just want to confront our perception of God's law, especially in these next two um, principles, these next two points I want to make. I want to confront our perception because sometimes we we can look at God's word and, and we can look at it almost as a burden upon our lives. I'm afraid that's the way we communicate it sometimes. Yeah, <clears throat> we're trying to be obedient. We're trying to do what God wants us to do. We read those commandments and yes, we're on fire. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? And I'm thinking to myself, if believers communicate to other people about God's word like that, how in the world would unbelievers ever want to embrace God's word? God's word, as we're told in the New Testament, is not burdensome to us. God's word is something that we should love. And as we'll see in a moment, we should cherish and enjoy. Notice the psalmist has a total different perception than most, even most believers, I think. The psalmist says, I love God's word. I love the law. And how does he express that? Well, again, back in verse 97, he says, oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. How do we love it? Is we spend time in it. We meditate upon it. We're going to talk about memorization, meditation, the structure of this psalm later on a few weeks from now, but... Just for this point, right, right today, just notice that when you love something, you, you're going to spend some time loving it and demonstrating yourself to it. Think about your relationship. Your relationship, some of you are married. Think about your relationship with your spouse. Some of you, you have children. Think about your relationship with your children. How's one way in which you demonstrate love to them? Time, right? T-I-M-E spells love. Time. If you don't spend time, I guarantee you'll find out what love is not. Let's say, let let me just, I, I, I like to build hypotheticals. So let me build a hypothetical. Let's say to Leslie this evening, that I go to Leslie this evening and I say to her, man, I got so much going on at church right now. And there's so many different things. And you know, there's so, look, I tell you what, I'll be back home in one month. Now, let me say this to you. My wife is sacrificial. She is giving. She's good. She's understanding about ministry stuff. But I'm going to tell you my wife would not respond in the most graceful way I have a feeling. Why? Because it doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense if that's the relationship that I have that I would not spend some time with her for the next month. And yet, how long has it been since we spent time in the scripture? Personally. I love God's word. Have you demonstrated it? in time 
You know, again, those first eight verses I read a moment ago of Psalm 119, if you really examine those, it, and even the descriptions of the word that the psalmist gives, it speaks to the relationship, the covenantal relationship that God had with his people. Covenant. Remember, a covenant is like a relationship. It's an agreement, relationship. And almost every commentator will say, look at the covenantal language of those first few verses, speaking of the relationship that God had with Israel. And I took out of that, well, if God has had this relationship with Israel, what is the basis from verses 8 and 1 through 8 regarding that relationship? It's got to be his word, right? The repetition of testimony, word, law. That's got to be the basis for the relationship. It's got to be the basis of being able to know what God wants in our lives, of God speaking. Isn't it interesting that you have in part of our Bible, the Old Testament, Latin for the idea of covenant. In the New Test, in the latter part of the Bible, you have the New Testament, which again is like the new covenant, the new relationship. To me, I, I just thought of this yesterday. It's amazing how even in our titles from Old Testament and New Testament, we speak about our covenant relationship with God. And we speak even in us separating these two like we do, as this is the foundation of that relationship. And if we love it, we're going to be able to meditate upon it. We're going to be able to study it and look at it. And again, if you look at some of those verses I read a moment ago, like verse 167, it said, my soul keeps your testimonies and I love them exceedingly. Jesus said, if you love me, what will you do? Keep my commandments. And here he says, this is the way I'm demonstrating my love for you. My soul keeps your testimony. And that's the love that I have for you exceedingly. So you spend time and you do what God asks. That is true love. We'll talk more about these in the coming days. I say that often, but I say that because I'm planning on being here for several more days. We're going to talk about more of this to come up, but... You know, I think of Gary Chapman's love languages, and uh, I'm a person, words of affirmation kind of deal, where like you affirm, it can be words, encouragement, that's great. Other people, like my wife, service-oriented, like don't just tell me that you love me, show me that you love me, right? Some of you know what I'm talking about, or I'm out on a limb here, hmm? He says here, my soul keeps your testimonies. I don't just say it. I spend time, obviously, but also I do your commands. So there's the trusting it. Then there's the loving it. And finally, I want you to see there's the cherishing it. To cherish the scripture. Now, there are a bunch of these, so just try to hang with me, okay? I'm going to go through them quickly. Verse 14 I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. Verse 16, I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Verse 24, your testimonies are also my delight and my counselors. Verse 35, make me walk in the path of your commandments for I delight in it. Verse 40, behold, I long for your precepts. Revive me in your righteousness. Verse 47, and I will delight myself 
in your commandments, which I love. And as it continues on in verse 111, your testimonies I have taken as a heritage forever, for they are the rejoicing of my heart. Back in verse 54, he even said, your statutes have been my songs in the house of my pilgrimage. Again, can you see the perception that the psalmist had? Did you hear that word delight over and over? Delight in the law, delight. Just enjoy it. Cherish God's word in your life. Enjoy it. Don't don't view it, again, as something to be burdened by. View it as something that can be enjoyed. You know, what I've actually found is when you look at God's word and you begin to apply it, life is much more enjoyable at times because you find the peace and the relationship with God. Enjoy God's word. Delight in it. As, as it's, he said, it's like the song of my heart. And then I love these final two analogies that I've seen here in Psalm 119 of that idea of cherishing it and enjoying it. Verse 72, it says, The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of coins of gold and silver. How valuable God's word is. How valuable God's word is to our hearts and lives. And probably this is, this, this is one of my favorites, is verse 103. How sweet are your words to my taste. Sweeter than honey to my mouth. One of the verses that I love, just to talk, which just simply sp- speaks about experiencing God's word and experiencing, enjoying it, savoring it, just tasting it. I guess I love this um, verse because I love to eat. I'll just tell you, I love to eat. I, I like to eat, and, and you can start to tell. This is a suit that I've had for some time, and now since I've been in Ruston, it's beginning to <clears throat> cramp up on me just a little bit, seems like. And look, you have blessed me so much in the last few weeks. I've been able to eat out with folks, eat with people, and uh, I'm thankful for that. And don't stop that ever, please, uh, when we do that. <laughs> I enjoy that. I mean, somebody texted me last night. Somebody knows me well. Don and Kathy Howard are here this morning. Don served as my deacon chairman for a while. And Kathy is my personnel chairman. They know, they know me and they know that I enjoy to eat and, and they will really appreciate this. Somebody texted me last night from Texas and it was just a picture of a lemon ice box pie. (laughs) I have some affection and affinity for a lemon ice box, obviously. And it was just a, it was a picture of it. And actually, it was a cut piece that was there. It was what I call, a, I think, a two cookie. It, some of you know what I'll talk about because they got the little vanilla wafers around, you know, and stuff. And that's how I define whether it's a good day or not. It's a two cookie day or a three cookie day kind of stuff. Just enjoy it. I love to be able to enjoy that and just to eat. I, I just love good food. And listen. It is, I think, no accident that the writers of Scripture often talk about encountering the Scripture as though you're like enjoying the sweetness and the taste of food. Uh, Here he's like honey, the sweet honey of the honeycomb. That's what it's like. I'm enjoying when I get into it and I'm understanding the Scripture and I'm reading it. I am enjoying it in my life. It was God speaking to Ezekiel 
And he said to Ezekiel, as he had the scroll, literally, you take the scroll, he says, and you eat the scroll. And he says that while it seemed to be bitter in a way, the taste of it actually became sweet. In Revelation, as we have another visual image, um, the angel looks at John in, in Revelation 10, and he says to him, take this little scroll and eat it. And it says, again, that the taste itself was sweet. When we read the scripture and we study the scripture, it ought to be something that is so enjoyable and sweet to us. Just to be able to do that. Look, think about this moment. The God of the universe, the God of heaven, said, I want to have a relationship with you. He wanted to have such a relationship with us. He sent his one and only son to die for us that we could experience salvation and life. We see that recorded here. But that he continues to love you and he continues to want to have a relationship with you. And how does he do that? He wants to continue to communicate to you through his word. When I open this word and I begin to read it, it has the same truthfulness, same authority as if God himself had opened heaven and spoken audibly. We ought to enjoy it. It's our continued link to him and our relationships as we study, as we pray, as we seek him. So let me say to you, the challenge for us today, a little TLC, trust it, love it, cherish it. That's what God wants us to do. That is what the psalmist did, and we have his testimony to prove it out. And today for us in our lives, whatever we're going through, and look, all of us come here with different Burdens, all of us come here with different baggage, all of us come here with different scenarios, but I can say to you, no matter how you've come this morning, no matter what you're facing, facing, you can still trust it, and you can love it, and you can enjoy it, as it transforms your life.